Amen. Greetings to everyone in Jesus' precious name. Isn't the Lord good? The Lord is good. It's very good to be back after having been gone for two Sundays. We too were in the mountains. Not quite as tall as what Randall was talking about, but it was a blessing to travel through the mountains that we were in. Coming down from New York, you come down uh, Highway 17 through, oh, for hours you travel through beautiful mountains. They're all tree covered, so they're all below the snow line, you know, it's not like those out there in, uh, in, in uh, Colorado. But in any case, they were very beautiful. That was a very encouraging word this morning. I hope you were all greatly blessed by that. Well, let's bow our heads for a word of prayer before I go further. Lord, we thank you this morning for your wonderful word, your beautiful creation, Lord. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Lord, in all of this, we can have a personal and an intimate connection with you, Lord, by the Holy Spirit. We thank you for that, Lord. You are so great, so big, so strong, and so mighty, Lord, and yet you stoop down to know us and care for us. Minister to us, Lord, in a way you did so beautifully even here this morning. God, we thank you for your loving kindness, your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, that your faithfulness reaches to the ends of the earth, and we are recipients of that here, Lord. We believe that we are living in the end times, Lord, and we thank you for your faithfulness, God, to to us this day. Lord, minister to us yet once more from your word. Speak to our hearts, Lord, and encourage us, Lord, with your word. God, I want to pray this morning for especially for those in Wisconsin as they are having funerals here this today and I believe on Tuesday, Lord. God, be with the widows. Be with the children, Lord. Be with the church there, Lord. And all those closely impacted by this tragedy. Oh, Lord, this great loss. Lord, we know for the Christian To live is Christ and to die is gain. But Lord, it's so painful when it happens like this and for those that are left behind. Oh God, be with the widows and the children, Lord, the next days and weeks and months. Oh God, meet their needs. Lord, give the ministers unction and strength to preach at these funerals, Lord, to encourage the saints and to warn the sinners. Oh, Lord, I pray life can be so, so quick, life can so quickly change, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that it would be that this experience, Lord, would change many people's lives for the better. Lord, I pray that the sobriety of life would be brought very near and dear to each soul there, Lord. God, we again ask you for your blessing here. In Jesus' name, amen. (laughs) 
Amen. We're going to go kind of to the other end of the spectrum this morning from where Randall took us. It's a place where probably none of us really like to go or we don't feel comfortable there. However, it's where all of us live. We probably don't realize it and I hope to bring that to the forefront of our minds this morning. In between the mountains or opposite of the mountains are valleys. And I'm not necessarily going to look at it as a valley this morning because oftentimes we think, you know, valleys of something kind of a low time in our, uh, in our Christian life and so on. But I want to talk about the Christian in the arena of life. I don't know how many of us here were ever in, a, in an arena where the bleachers were full of people. I've never been there. But opposite of the high places, we have this arena. And that's where we live our Christian lives, in the arena. The arena of life. Around this arena, you have the, the grandstands and you might have, in some cases, 5,000 people on one side and five on another and maybe another couple thousand at either end. And there you have a few people, in comparison, a few people down in this arena performing, playing, running, whatever they're doing. And I kind of know because I'm sure we're all the same. We even get a bit uncomfortable where we sit at church because we might be too obvious or, you know, we like to tend to drift to the back end and just to be not quite as uh, in view of everybody. But whether we like it or not, God has us in the arena. And every day we live our life in the arena of Christianity. And we have this teaching and concept in Hebrews chapter 12. And if you'd turn there with me, we will read. There in Hebrews chapter 12 is where we take the text for this message this morning. And I'm going to read an abbreviated version of Hebrews 11 for the sake of time. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm just going to go through and pick out the names of men that have, and women, that have lived and walked in the arena of life and have been collected and put together in this chapter in Hebrews 11 By far not near all the faithful people of God are listed here, but God chose to put a few in here. So I'm going to read quickly through Hebrews 11, and then we're going to come to Hebrews 12. And you can kind of watch along and figure out where I'm going. It won't take me long, but in Hebrews 11, verse 4, we have the first name listed. By faith, Abel. And Enoch, 
verse 5, and Noah, and Abraham, and Isaac, and Jacob, and Sarah, served the Lord by faith. Verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth. By faith, Moses, verse 23, and the harlot Rahab, verse 31, and Gideon, and Barak, and Samson, and Jephthah, and David, and Samuel, and the prophets, subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women raised their dead. Women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, moreover of bonds and imprisonment, They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, slain with the sword, wandered about in sheepskins, goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. Think about that. God having provided some better thing for us. That's staggering. God having provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. Wherefore? Because of what we just read, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye and me be wearied and faint in your minds. That's all the Father will read. Let's think a little more about the arena. How does one enter into the arena? For the Christian, when, when we 
come to the Lord, when we receive Christ, when we say, God, I'm a sinner, I'm, I'm in need of a Savior, God, I need help, when we repent, when we accept Jesus into our hearts, when we say, Lord, I'll give you my life, I want to serve you, that's when we walk from the dugout into the arena, right there. That's when it starts. Every Christian. And, you know, every experience is a bit different, maybe, but at one point, we enter in there and, and we, we, are, we are living a life that is meant to be lived in the arena with many people watching. The arenas are so set up that everything is focused on you. I mean, the light shine down there, it is so bright, there's really no place to hide. Everything is, is designed so that the witnesses can see the few players down in there. The grandstands, the lights, and, and think of the people either cheering when we are faithful or booing when we fail. That's where we live. That's where the Christian lives. Not just the eyes of God, as the scripture says in Hebrews 4.13, neither is there any creature that is not manifest or open in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Proverbs 15.3 says, the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. We like to kind of sit at the back, and this is no reflection on people in the back. Someone has to sit in the back. But naturally, we tend to kind of, you know, like the shadows a little bit, just out of where everyone can see us. But for the Christian, we are in the arena. There's no getting out of it other than completely failing and forsaking Christ. But that's where we are. That's where we live. We've, we've looked at these. We've quickly walked through Hebrews 11. And we looked at the, these faithful men and women. Who, who, who remained faithful to the end. And it says they, uh, they, they, they obtain a good report. Brothers and sisters. Records are being taken. Things are being noticed. And in this case, it was recorded as a few of these as having obtained a good report. What about you and me? You know, I hope there's no one here today that thinks they can hide anything from the Lord. It's hard to imagine there would be someone like that here today because we know God sees everything, but... Are we hiding something? Are we hiding anything? We are, we are, you know, our hearts can be very deceitful and we can be hypocritical, but we, we, we are in the arena and every, everyone's watching. Everyone's watching. 
It says here, all these have obtained a good report through faith. They did not receive the promise. And it's amazing to me when you stop and think of how these people served God in the Old Testament faithfully. And what did they have but types and shadows? That's what they had. Think of all the bloodshed and think of all the bang goats and sheep as they were caught and slaughtered and the blood flowed and, and, and how they had to go to the priest with their, with their sins and confess. And the priest would go into behind that curtain once a year with their sins, with blood for his own sins. And it was all types and shadows and figurative and outward. But these few in Hebrews 11 obtained a good report. That's amazing. They, what they saw, they saw afar off. What apparently motivated them was promises that were to come. Think about that. We are on the other side. We are serving God with promises that are fulfilled and Christ came. But they serve God only with what was to come. The things that they used to serve God with were types and shadows of what was to come. They saw the thing afar off. Peter says that it was revealed to them that not unto themselves, but unto us did they minister the things which they did. Which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven which things the angels desired to look into. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but brothers and sisters, we, we are on the other side, and it is just unbelievable. The blessings, the promises, the power that is given to us today. It is just almost unfathomable. When they faithfully served, obtained a good report, only looking forward, only serving God with types and shadows, looking afar off. And they were faithful. That's amazing. <clears throat> it says here in, uh, in Hebrews uh, 11, 40, that God having provided some better thing for us. This better thing is the dispensation of the gospel when Christ came and fulfilled all the prophecies, or at least most of the prophecies there, there's for sure some that are not fulfilled yet, but Christ fulfilled the, the, the prophecies of the gospel age. We're on this side now. And that is the better thing that God has provided for us. Turn with me to Hebrews 7. We'll look at a verse there. The better thing. God having provided a better thing. Hebrews 7, verse 19. For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did, by the which we draw nigh unto God. These dear saints of old, they they just did the outward ceremony. You and I get the real thing. We get get, uh, the blood of Christ which cleanses away our sins, and we ourselves can draw nigh to God. How are we doing in the arena with this? 
when all these Old Testament saints, I don't know how this all works. It, it appears that there's heavenly angels watching us and maybe, maybe these Old Testament saints, I don't know for sure. But as they reflect back on what they went through and as they watch us going through this side, having received the better things, how are we doing? Are we entering in? Are we drawing nigh to God? Are we appropriating what we have while we run the race in the arena? Hebrews 8, verse 6. But now hath he obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant which was established upon better promises. The blood of bulls and goats never could take away sin, but Christ's blood does. It takes away our sins. It takes away our sins. Better covenant. Christ our mediator. Christ himself is now entered into the very presence of God to intercede for us. This is part of the better thing. Hebrews 12, verse 24. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. Again, better blood. There's power in the blood. And 2 Peter 1 you turn there, Second Peter chapter 1. God having provided some better thing for us. Second Peter 1, verse 3. Very familiar verse, but just, just meditate on this with me as we read it. According as his divine power hath given unto us, all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be, part, ye might be partakers of the divine nature." having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you, and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fail." For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
everything these Old Testament saints look forward to, we can experience. God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. The better things, the better things. The Christian in the arena of life, how are we doing today? Going back to our text in Hebrews uh, 1140 there, it says, God having provided some better thing for us that they, the Old Testament believers, without us should not be made perfect. And I have a few comments from some commentators here on this that I found interesting. I'll give it here. That they without us should not be made perfect. Adam Clark says, believers before the flood, after the flood, under the law, and since the law, make but one church. It's all going to be one huge body when this all comes together. All the saints, the believers before, and now including us. The gospel dispensation is the last, which we are in. And the church cannot be considered complete till the believers under all dispensations are gathered together. As the gospel is the last dispensation, the preceding believers cannot be consummated even in glory till the gospel church arrive in the heaven of heavens. Oh, what a gathering that will be when we're all together. Another commentator says, uh, well, no, let me give you a, a reference here in, in Revelation six eleven. It says, white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also, probably speaking of us, and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. So all these saints of all the ages are waiting and watching till we come home, till it's all consummated. And lo, a great multitude, which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands. What a gathering that will be. And then we go over to, verse, to chapter 12, verse 1, where it says, Wherefore? Beloved, because of this, this is connected together. Seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let's consider this being compassed about. We already talked about the people in the grandstands of the arena where they're watching the players or the runners. And let's just focus on ourselves now. And I was never, I never played, you know, under so many, so much attention. But I can imagine that if you were playing to impress the people or if you were playing to win the game, which I'm sure they were, you did your utter best. And when the people cheered, it motivated you to play. It motivates you to play. 
about the closest I got to this is when we're here sometimes and, and the high school has some games going and all of a sudden you hear a roar of hundreds of people. Pretty amazing. But here we are in our Christian life and we're being watched very clearly. We are being compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. The heavenlies are watching. I don't know how that all works, but it's obvious here that the heavenlies are watching. Not only the heavenlies, I believe, but maybe as important, the people around us are watching. If we're a Christian, we have a responsibility. Amen? We have a responsibility. People around us are watching. We think maybe we don't amount to much as a Christian or I don't matter. If you're a Christian, you do matter. You have a testimony of serving God. And when we, we either, we're either faithfully marching on, thinking no one sees, but they do, or we, we, we give up and we fail and we, we, we mar the name of Christ if we, if we think no one's watching and we can, we can relax and, and, and we, we fail. People around us are watching. Our every move matters. Our attitudes matter. We are to, we are to, to show forth Christ. People are looking to see if they see Christ in us, in this arena, if they can see Christ. Paul told Timothy, be thou an example. Here it is. Be thou an example of the believers, not just a preacher, everybody. Be thou an example of the believers that are watching. In word, our words are part of this. Our very walk of life, our conversation, the way we love people in charity, in spirit. Oh, dearly beloved, how is our spirit? Amen, brother, let's go. Let's serve the Lord today. An example in spirit, the people in the grandstands are watching us. We're down there in the valley. The mountains are full of people watching us. Randall said, you look down there and the people look so small down there on the lake. Well, imagine that mountain being full of people and they're watching your Christian life and my Christian life. The Christian in the arena of life. Be thou an example in faith. You know, we don't really need faith until it gets really hard. Until we get tested is when we need faith. In, be thou an example in purity in this very corrupt and vile world that we live in. Dearly beloved, how are we doing in purity? Our, our walk, our life, our expression, the things we say, the things we look at. Can we with Job say, we have made a covenant with my, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look upon a maid, not to lust after a woman. People are watching. Titus says, in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works, in doctrine, 
showing uncorruptness, gravity, and sincerity. We are compassed about, all about. No one's neutral as a Christian. We're all in, in, on the arena. And we need to ask ourselves the question, how am I doing? Let's consider this great cloud of witnesses for a moment. Cloud is a figure of speech. It's used for a, a great multitude of people. There was an artist one time that painted a picture of this scene of a Christian on the arena with a cloud over, over him. And at first glance, it just looked like a cloud. But as you looked really close at this cloud, you saw that the cloud was made up of cherub faces. The whole cloud was full of faces. That's how it is in our life. We're being watched. And dearly beloved, God has provided good things for us. And to him that much is given will much be required. Yes, we are being watched. A great cloud of witnesses. The next point is in verse uh, 1 there, chapter 12. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us or distract us. Matthew Henry said, this is a most important exhortation. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. This is a most important exhortation. He goes on to say, For while a man's darling sin, be it what it will, remains unsubdued, it will hinder him from running the Christian race, because it takes from him every motive for running. And it gives power to every discouragement. Hidden sin is discouraging to the Christian, if he admits it or not. But he says, this is a most important exhortation, and I hope all of us take this to heart this morning. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. Discouragement is sin. It robs us of faith. If we continually are given into discouragement, we need to deal with that, brothers and sisters. We can't run effectively if we are under discouragement. Another uh, commentator said, we are still in the arena. Probably every blow and every sigh are heard and beheld by the people on the grandstand. That's how real it is when you sigh. Oh, that was hard. Lord. Yeah, they, they hear that. Lord, help me. They hear that. And God helps us, and we pick ourselves up, and we go on. We're still in the arena. Every blow and every sigh is heard by the people on the grandstand. What an incentive to lay aside every cumbrance. Amen? Every cumbrance. Dearly beloved, there's too much to lose. We have a soul that we lose if we don't run. 
and there's too much to win. Unutterable glory awaits for those that win. Amen? Unutterable, unimaginable glory and the crown of glory that waits for those that keep Oh, may we not give up. Adam Clark says, whatever weighs down our hearts or affections to earth and sense is to be carefully avoided. For no man with the love of the world in his heart can ever reach the kingdom of heaven. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 7, 1, having therefore these promises, and we looked at these promises Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Having therefore these promises, could it be that old Abraham looks down there and says, My, with all these promises, why are they struggling? I had to serve God with types and shadows, Abraham might say. Oh, may we take these promises, dearly beloved, and cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. The next point is run with patience the race that is set before us. What exactly is this race anyway? And how do we run it? What is it? Well, Matthew Henry said this. He said, it's the persevering obedience of faith in Christ. It's just hanging in there. Day in, day out. Persevering obedience of faith in Christ. That's the race we're running. That's the race that is set before us. That's the race that was set before the the Hebrew believers here. It's persevering obedience of faith in Christ. Persevering obedience, a persistent, constant, ever and always striving for righteousness. This race lasts a lifetime. Praise God. It's, it's possible to, to win, obviously. It shouldn't be, while we have hardships and difficulties, it shouldn't be discouraging totally. We have grace to run it. We should run it with patience. We should set the pace. It's not, who gets, it's not a matter of who gets there first. It's a matter of who gets there. Amen? It's a matter who gets there. And this race is set before the Christian. Like I said, when we, when we receive Christ, we enter into this arena, and, and there it is, all the way to the end. Run it, persevering, staying the course, just keeping the pace, going on, you know, pressing in, pressing on, ever onward, ever upward, ever forward. Run with patience the race that is set before us. 
you know, we look around us and we see Christians that are maybe moving faster and are gone further than us, but that's probably not a good thing to do. The Bible warns us about that, that we shouldn't compare ourselves with among ourselves. Just stay focused. Keep the faith. Keep the gate. Keep going. Run with patience the race that is set before us. We're in the arena. The next point is looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. This is a major point, and I know we all know it. But I was challenged here this week with a brother that you all know, Brother Louis Delagrange. He just texted me out of the blue the other day, and he said, Brother Elvin, and he gave me the date and the time. He said, at that date and that time, I got a new heart from the Lord. And that blessed me and convicted me and challenged me. That right there, dearly beloved, is what it means to keep looking to Jesus. When have I, when have you last said that? On that day, at that time, I gave my heart to the Lord. That's part of it. You know, speaking forth what God did in our, in our hearts, giving a testimony. I was challenged by that. It says we should look to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, looking off and looking on, looking from and looking to, off of the world, on to Christ, off of secular things, on to spiritual things. That's what it means to look to Jesus. The runners have the greatest chance of winning. The runners that have the greatest chance of winning are those who keep their eyes on the goal. Remember that. The runners that have the greatest chance of winning are those who keep their eyes on the goal. Jude says, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Titus says, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Yes, we have troubles and trials, and particularly right now, maybe with what we're facing as a church. I would just say this. While I think it's good we do that, and I think it's important that we face issues and, and do what we're doing, at the same time, I think every one of us needs to maintain a looking unto the Lord. Very, very on purposely and, and, and pressing into that. I think we need to do that. We can look around us, and I've done that, and I can say, you know, how are we going to come out of this? How's this going to be? But I don't think we should look there very long. We should get our eyes back on the Lord and on my own heart and say, God, get us through this. Get us through this, Lord. Get us through this that we're better, made better coming out the other side. 
through this trial. Keep yourselves in the love of God. While this thing may be difficult and hard, God will not condemn us. That is from Satan. Amen? God will not discourage us. That is from Satan. While we're going through this, all of us should endeavor to keep ourselves in the love of God. I believe if we can do that, God can bring us together and bring us out in a beautiful way. Be, let us be careful to not get our eyes off of Jesus through hard and difficult times. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. My last point, I believe, is, no, there's one more. The author and finisher, an example of faithfulness in the arena of life. Jesus said, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. Keeping your eyes on the Lord, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, while we are in the arena and all the people are watching us. Let's keep our eyes on the Lord. And just kind of in connection with that point, the last point, it says, consider him. Verse 3, consider him. Stop and meditate and consider Christ. We think we're enduring hard things. Consider Christ that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. How do you think that looks from the grandstands as the Christians are moving on? And here there's one that goes slower and slower and slower and he stops. And he stops. He faints. And why I think other Christians should come around and give him a drink of cold water and give him encouragement. Ultimately, we have to pull ourselves up and, and, and get our eyes on the Lord and and continue running. I think we have a place to do that, to encourage one another for sure. But it says in, in, uh, in light of Christians becoming weary and fainting, we need to consider Christ. When the race is difficult, consider Christ. Christians in the arena of life. Well, I hope that will go with us this week and in the months to come as we consider our walk as Christians and keep walking, keep marching, keep pressing in. Brothers, it will be worth it all. Brothers and sisters, God bless.